several announcements this morning. The uh, pro-life campaign, 40 Days for Life, is underway, and I hope that uh, many of our parishioners, uh, groups, and families will commit to a time to be a witness for life by joining others in praying and keeping vigil outside the abortion clinic in North, on North, Northwest 23rd Street in Oklahoma City. I invite you to please see weekly information in our bulletin about 40 Days for Life and to follow the information there. Uh, there's a website you go to to indicate Oklahoma City. It'll tell you the location of the place and show you uh, the times you can commit to uh, for a time of prayer outside of that clinic with other uh, believers and other people of goodwill. Praying outside of a clinic can be a very simple yet profound public pro-life witness, and so I hope that you'll make it part of uh, your efforts this Lent. Men of the parish are encouraged to attend the Oklahoma Catholic Men's Conference at the Embassy Suites in Norman on March 12th. See the bulletin or posters in the narthex for more information. The annual Catholic appeal that helps fund ministries for the Church of our Archdiocese is underway. We have a parish target toward the needs of the ACA of $102,000 in pledges and donations. Uh, we'll need everyone's help and participation to help us achieve that target, so I'd ask you to please make use of those large ACA pledge envelopes in the pews. You may also make gifts online on the Archdiocesan website. Uh, all gifts are certainly welcome, and if we increase participation, that tends to mean that helps us arrive at our parish target uh, rather efficiently and more quickly than we would otherwise. We are still early in Lent. Sometimes we kind of aren't quite ready for the start of that season, sort of slide into it. So it, it has started, and I really want to encourage you to plan uh, into your week participation uh, in that standard Catholic devotion of Lent, and that is Friday Stations of the Cross here in the church at 6.30 p.m. The Knights of Columbus Fish Fry follows after stations in the hall. Uh, we had great attendance this past week, this past Friday, a uh, great time for prayer and fellowship, and so I just want to encourage you to continue that each week to be aware of that make plans to participate on Fridays of Lent. I want to say uh, a few words about the situation in the Ukraine. A few of you know this, but I bet most of you don't. Our parish, I would say, has a bit of a more personal connection to the things happening over there in that uh, one of our parish families uh, in January had just initiated the adoption of an orphan boy there in the Ukraine. His name is Arthur. It's like Arthur without an H. Uh, he had come over here, actually was in our midst uh, from mid-December to mid-January in a hosting visit. Uh, and so uh, while that adoption will move forward uh, in time, uh, obviously there's a lot of kind of drama and uncertainty now and concern for him and for other orphans and refugees. So I just want to encourage you uh, to pray for Arthur and other orphans and refugees in the Ukraine to keep those prayers up. In fact, I think uh, now uh, we'll do that, asking Mary's intercession to spread her mantle over those who are suffering the effects of the situation in the Ukraine. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. And blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Together with that, the Catholic bishops of our country have called for a special collection to aid the response of the church in the Ukraine, providing aid for refugees. Uh, we are promoting this as an electronic collection, since we obviously don't have envelopes for that purpose. And so we've sent an email and a flock note out to the whole parish containing information and a link to make an electronic gift for this special collection. If you didn't get those messages, that's a pretty good indication we don't have updated information for you, so you might want to contact the office 
and get information updated. Otherwise, you can check also our parish website where we've also posted the link for that special collection for the Ukraine. <clears throat> Only days into the season of Lent, it seems good to me that we remember this annual time is a sacred opportunity for grace, that we might be more greatly transformed into deeper communion with the Lord and less attached to sin. Why do we have this annual opportunity? Because mankind is in a state or a situation of being unpleasing to God, at least as regards sin. The sin we call original, committed by Adam and Eve, has transmitted to us a fallen nature that needs to be redeemed so as to avoid judgment for sin. And our weakened fallen nature means we are each susceptible to temptation and guilty of our own personal sins. These create an obstacle to holiness and the inheritance of eternal life. The good news that we celebrate is that Jesus saves us, and Lent, if used well, is an opportunity to grow closer to him and to live our life in greater freedom from sin. The gospel passage today places before us that our blessed Lord, having become incarnate in our flesh, is taking our place in the midst of temptation so that he might be victorious over it. The categories of the devil's temptations in today's passage, they really point us back to Adam and Eve and the fall in the book of Genesis. And at the same time, they point us forward to the journey before us. This gospel passage gives us the image of Jesus being like a fulcrum between those two points, the past of man's fall, and the future of renewed communion with God. I think having some appreciation for how the Lord is reliving what happened to man in the fall and yet being victorious gives us hope and a source of focus for spiritual growth in Lent and beyond. Reading the story of the serpent's temptings in the book of Genesis identifies a threefold temptation that was presented to Adam and Eve. Genesis shows us that when the serpent sowed doubt about God's command to not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Eve's response reveals a triple temptation. When Eve looked at the tree, Genesis says she saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. From this, Christian tradition thus identifies a triple weakness or concupiscence in mankind transmitted by original sin. We suffer, in other words, from the lust of the flesh or desire of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The first letter of St. John shows this tradition of the triple concupiscence. He writes, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world 
passes away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Let's quickly gra get a grasp of what we mean by these three temptations. By lust or desire of the flesh is meant the weakness in fallen man by which he seeks satisfaction or pleasure in the flesh. This idea of satisfaction is chiefly understood as disordered attachment, specifically to food, the pleasure of food and drink, and sexual pleasure. By lust of the eyes is meant that tendency in us to see things and to quickly desire to possess or control them. It's the desire for things, for possessions. Why do so many of us hold on to things that we actually don't use? And why do we get things we don't need? The lust of the eyes. By the pride of life is meant that tendency to raise up oneself, attention-seeking, appearing powerful, the desire to seek glory and power, to be in the know, to be thought wise, and to be godlike in that sense. It is what Adam and Eve experienced. It is our weakness, too. And with this in mind, we have some insight into just how our Lord is reliving or recapitulating our human experience by facing those precise weaknesses in the devil's temptings. Following the very same ordering of the temptations from Genesis, St. Luke shows us Jesus facing the lust of the flesh being tempted to use his power to satisfy the flesh, in this case, the attachment to food. The devil tempts, command this stone to become bread. Our Lord faces the lust of the eyes, the desire for power and possessions. The devil tempts with all the kingdoms of the world and says, all this will be yours if you worship me. Our Lord faces the pride of life when from the top of the temple, Jerusalem's highest point, where everyone could have seen him, the devil tempts him to grasp for glory and being clearly seen as God by saying, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down that the angels may catch you and glorify you. Our Lord's recapitulation of the past with Adam's failing is significant because he is placing our flesh, he is placing us in that experience of temptation, yet he is being victorious this time on our behalf. By sharing our flesh, he is carrying all who exist in this flesh into victory along with him. I suggest that appreciating this experience of the Lord gives us a path forward in Lent and beyond. Remember, our Lord is like a fulcrum in this passage, pointing both backward and forward in salvation history. We have hope to take up battle against our threefold weakness and to have greater victory. It is the Lord who gains the victory, to be sure. Together with our efforts, we form habits and discipline to remain in that victory won by the Lord. Being aware of that threefold weakness, we know our tendencies to fall for the desires of the flesh with food or sexual indulgence. 
We know our tendency to want to possess and to take hold of things due to the lust of the eyes. We know our tendency to seek power, fame, glory, God-like status due to the pride of life. And so it makes total sense that our standard scriptural practices, fasting, almsgiving, and prayer seek to respond to these precise areas of weakness. Where we suffer from lust of the flesh, we fast to train ourselves against a disordered attachment to food and pleasure. We likely need to rely on fasting more. After all, we, we really only do it together as a group twice, huh? Ash Wednesday and Good Friday. We need to make it a real, challenging spiritual discipline. And this is not because food is somehow bad or sexual love is bad. No, God made them good. And like in the garden, he provided all good things for blessing. It is our disordered attachment that is bad. Where we suffer from the lust of the eyes, we engage in almsgiving. Where we might tend to fall prey to amass possessions and to give, we, we rather give things away to those who are needy. And at the same time, we train ourselves to maintain better control over this desire where we are sort of tugged by the pride of life, wanting attention or to be seen as an influencer or to be wise, an image of being godlike, we practice and develop a life of prayer. By prayer, we recognize our need for God. We enter relationship with him. And we can't help but be honest in that relationship that we are not God. But in humility, we must rely upon him and his love for us. What a great gift our annual time of training in Lent is. By fasting, almsgiving, and prayer, we battle that threefold concupiscence of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Our Lord shows us a critically important weapon in this discipline and in the battle he won for us, namely an appreciation and love and a use of sacred scripture. Notice with the devil's temptations, the Lord responds with the word of God each time. As Catholics, we need to use our book, the Bible, to be aided and strengthened and trained in the ways of salvation. In the scripture, we come to know God better, and we see how our God in the flesh is seated in victory in the center point, the fulcrum of all history. Knowledge of the scriptures and of the church's witness of faith helps us see our lives in proper context of all that has taken place in salvation history, and at the same time, it helps us see the hope and victory we have in the new Adam, the Lord Jesus, the victor over sin and death.